This is episode number 217 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. So we just finished a five-part series about how to start a public speaking career, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to that series, and it'll help you understand the concepts that we talk about here much more clearly. Uh, But what we're going to talk about today is how to promote yourself as a public speaker, some of the things that you can use digitally and the things that you can do in person to to go out and promote yourself as a public speaker. This episode is sponsored by fearlesspresentations.com. So if you're looking for a faster way to reduce public speaking fear or become a more persuasive speaker, we've got two-day public speaking classes coming up in uh, Las Vegas. It's actually happening in about a week and a half, uh, Cincinnati as well. We also have classes coming up in Atlanta, Dallas, Charlotte, and Denver. Those are all coming up in the next three or four weeks. Uh, remember that seats in the classes are limited to the first eight people. And we, we offer them on a first-come, first-served basis. So for details about those classes or to find out when a class will be scheduled in your area, just go to our website, fearlesspresentations.com. All right, so let's get on with today's podcast. In this session, we're going to show you how to promote yourself as a professional public speaker. And in earlier sessions in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how to get experience within by speaking within your current industry. Some of the ideas were to start out as a, as a trainer in your current industry and, and then to speak to associations within that same industry. Um, this helps you practice your craft, but more importantly, it helps you get a video of yourself in front of an actual audience. Uh, in, in the last session, we kind of talked about how to create content like blog posts and videos and books that you, you'll be able to use to market yourself as a professional speaker. So we're going to assume that you followed the guidelines in the previous sessions and you have a minimum number of podcast blogs that we talked about on the in the last session. If you don't have these yet, just make sure to follow the guidelines in the Start Your Own Public Speaking Company from Scratch episode. And, and keep in mind that if you don't have all of those things, it's not, it's not critical, but the more content that you have, the more professional you're going to appear to a potential client or a potential customer. So we're going to assume that the content you've created is in a specific niche, you know, within a defined market, like we talked about on the previous episodes. And and we're going to continue to assume that this particular market actually needs your content. With all of that being said, this stuff that we're going to cover today will really help you promote yourself and, and let other people, people outside of your own organization, see you as a competent professional speaker. So these are five things that you can do to promote yourself as a professional speaker. The very first thing is to create content that gets your target audience to come to you. It is much, 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 much easier to get speaking jobs if the potential client or the potential customer comes to you 
versus you having to go out and find them, go chase them. Uh, when I first started the Leaders Institute, by the way, I was, I was clueless about this concept. I knew that I needed customers, but the first customer was the hardest to attract. You know, if, you, if you're just starting out your speaking career, any kind of career, really, you're starting a, a company from scratch. It's really that first customer is always the hardest because everything that you're doing is untested at that point. So basically what I did was I bought a mailing list of 3000 decision makers in my area. They're managers, leaders within organizations that were all within a 20 mile radius of, of where I was holding my classes. And I spent additional money on brochures. And I also send out those brochures to everyone on the list. Now, keep in mind, this was back in before, this was in the very early days of the internet. So it's a whole lot less expensive to do the stuff that I'm telling you that, that I did today. It's easier to do it today than what it was back when I started this thing, right? So in addition, I called everybody on the list. So basically I made 3000 phone calls and I called them three times. So that's 9,000 total phone calls that I made in about a three month period of time. Now, all total, I spent about $10,000 to get, and I ended up getting about 24 people to pay me $600 to come to my first class. And so, but since it took me three months to find those 24 people, I mean, you can kind of do the math. Um, I, I spent 10 grand to create a gross revenue of about $14,000. So I made 24,000 total, but I spent 10,000 plus. Uh, I, I also spent a couple of thousand dollars in expenses to hold the class. I had to rent out a training room and get materials for the, for the people that were in the class and all that kind of stuff. So if I wanted to do that again, if I wanted to do that whole process again, that small profit that I made for that first class, $14,000 sounds like a long time, but if you divide that by, well, I actually, I didn't get to keep all that. I had to pay taxes. And, and, uh, and once I calculated all my expenses, I was looking at maybe, but probably probably about nine thousand dollars total is what I made off of that that first class. And since it took me three months to generate that income, that was really only about three thousand dollars per month that I was making, and I was working really really hard to to get it. So, if if I wanted to do that same thing again, I, the same things that I did for that first class, that it would it, it's not going to be enough money. It wouldn't generate enough revenue or enough profit anyway to kind of keep the company afloat. So, I mean, my point is don't do that. <laughs> don't do what I did. Don't try to start your company doing what I did today. Th though over 50% of the people who request information about the fearless presentations classes end up attending one of our classes. So basically if somebody requests information from our website, almost over 50% of those people end up going to one of our training programs or hiring us to come out to train one of their, their companies. Um, and, and right now we do almost no paid advertising. So we're not spending 10 grand per class to try to generate a, a handful of people to come through our training programs. We also make no cold calls. <laughs> So the difference between those early years and today is the marketing that we do now. It's dramatically different than what I was doing in the early days. The Fearless Presentations website has millions of people coming to it every single year for information. And we give a ton of our content away for free in blog posts and obviously on the podcast and also on our videos, especially our YouTube videos. So basically... If we are giving away all this content for free, just think about how much more valuable the, the content is that we charge for, right? Our website 
is the most powerful tool that we have in gaining potential clients and customers. Instead of sifting through 20 or so posts, they basically take the easy route and register for a class. So um, basically the, the key thing to keep in mind is that your website, your blog post, your podcast, your articles, your videos, your books, they are all ways for potential customers to get to know you and trust you through the process. This will create much better relationships with you and your customers if they, if they come to you versus you pushing marketing out on them. So that's step number one. Step number one is to try to get Put that content out like we talked about, especially in the last episode, so that people kind of come to you. Step two is your blog and your website. That's your office. It, it should be the focus of everything that you do. So step one, and I know this is number two in the, the five things that you should do, but step one in the marketing part anyway it, because this is the first to do, is to create a fantastic website and blog. Um, I like to consider myself somewhat of an expert uh, on website development. I have a knack for being able to get my websites to the top spots on Google and other search engines. So I, what I'm going to do in this session is I'm going to give you a really simple crash course on search engine optimization. It's what people call SEO for short. That's basically how to get your website to the top of search engine results. So when people type in a keyword, yours shows up in the top three spaces, ideally, or at least in the in the top 10. So you're on, you're on the first page. So here's a, a really simple kind of crash course in how to do that. The first thing that you gotta understand is that content is good code is bad, right? So website code is bad. So there are a bunch of really pretty websites out there that uh, never break into the top 100 pages for any search result. And the, most often this is because of how they are designed. One of the, the big website development platforms right now is one called Wix or Wix.com. The big problem with these drag and drop platforms though, is that they leave a bunch of code for every morsel of content. So you put one sentence on there and it puts a ton of code in the website, it makes it slower. Uh, it does make it prettier, but it makes it more difficult for people to access. And it also makes it more difficult for Google or any other search engine to know exactly what the page is about. So the website looks looks pretty, but to a search engine, it's, it's really messy. So I recommend using a, 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 a WordPress blog on your website. In fact, there's an excellent article about the, the major difference between those two platforms, Wix versus WordPress, that I'm going to link to in the show notes. So just click the link, go, um, go take a look at that, and it'll give you all of the details about why a WordPress website is going to get you a much bigger, bigger bang for your buck and, and help you promote yourself a little bit better. Uh, and that's a great place to compare the two and, and make the right decision for your own blog. Um, the second thing about search engine, search engine optimization that's really critical is that visit duration is important. Um, when I say visit duration, I'm talking about how when somebody finds you on Google and they click your link, how long do they stay on that page or on the website before they hit the back button and look for something different? So Google has gotten really good at finding ways to judge the value of the content of a website. And one of the ways that Google does this is to measure the time that a person spends on a particular website 
before returning to Google for another option. Uh, it's not as intrusive as it sounds though, by the way. Basically, when you do a search on Google and you click a link from Google, Google to the website in the search result, a timer kind of starts. And if you quickly hit the back button, Google assumes that the result that you received wasn't what you were looking for. Makes sense, right? So if you stay on that website for a longer period of time, it judges that the result was accurate. So the longer that people stay on your website when they when searching through a search engine, the higher, higher the website moves in the search engine results. So if you recall, I suggested in the last post that you create a blog post that uh, with a minimum of a thousand words, if you have good detailed content, a visitor will stay longer on that particular blog post. And in addition, if you put links to other posts on your website within your current content, you can increase the length of time even more. So if they find something even more interesting, they click that link and now they're on a different page on your website. They spend another couple of minutes on that page. So it may seem like a lot of work and, and really it is, but it is well worth the time and the value that it brings, brings back to you and your, and your company. Um, the, the next concept in search engine optimization that's really important is that good backlinks are one of the most important things that search engines look for to determine the value of a website or the, the search engine optimization optimization. So Google in some ways, does your due diligence for you, by the way. In the early days of the internet and of Google, the most important thing to do was to get quality, what they call backlinks. These are links from other websites that are pointing to your website. And at the time, Google assumed that if another website linked to your website, then that was a quote unquote vote as to how good the content of your website was. And websites that had the most backlinks got the highest rankings in Google search. The, the problem, though, that occurred was that bad actors began to kind of manipulate these results, and they created these things called link farms, uh, where the, the only purpose of that website was to provide links to other websites. So as a result, Google changed the way that they measure the quality of a link. And, and just to kind of be brief and, and give you this in kind of an overview format, Today, the quality of the backlink is much more valuable than the quantity. So uh, the, they're looking at the value of the page that they've, based on all of the other criteria that they've generated, if a very high level or highly ranked page links to you, that's really, really good. If a low level page links to you, that's bad and they can it, it'll actually penalize you. So if you have a high number of low quality backlinks, Google will actually penalize you. They'll act, that could knock you out of the, uh, the, the search engine rankings uh, versus get you up higher. So there's no real shortcut to getting these quality links, by, by the way. Um, there are a few smart ways to get some really high quality backlinks. So, so for instance, in, in, in an earlier episode, I suggested that you give speeches within your, with, within your industry, within the associations within your industry, so when, when a high quality association within an industry links to your website, that backlink is like gold. So the more of those types of speeches that you give where they're promoting you and saying, hey, Doug Standard is a member of the Leaders Institute, and there's a link back to the Leaders Institute. If you're a guest on a podcast or a source for a reporter, a lot of times they're also going to get give you a high quality backlink back to, to your website. So each of these types of backlinks, so take a tremendous amount of time 
but they are the best way to promote your, your website. I mean, th these things are like gold in the, in search engine optimization. Another thing that's really important in search engine optimization is that metadata is really critical. Uh, the term metadata, if you're not into websites and coding and stuff like that, it may seem kind of cryptic, but it's really, it's just a fancy term for things other than text that search engines use to figure out what your website is actually about. So th this inf information, by the way, include metadata includes things like the title of the page, the URL, like the, the letters that are in the after the dot com with the slash. So basically what the what characters are being used in the in the, the web page, um, the description that that pops up, the keywords that that you're using on the page, the the images and video data. And there's also this thing called schema, which we'll talk about briefly, but it, that's a whole different kind of animal. So well um, although search engines they don't they don't give a lot of weight to like keywords listed in your website header anymore. That used to be a big thing. There would be a specific part of the, the code at the top of your web page where you could put the keywords. They don't really pay attention to that much anymore. Uh, but it is important to kind of pick a single keyword or a key phrase to build each page of your website around. Um, you also want to only use each of those keywords or key phrases once. For instance, if you let's just say you make wedding cakes in Dallas, right? So you don't want to put Dallas wedding cakes or wedding cakes in Dallas on every single page on your website because then none of your pages are going to rank very well for that key phrase. Instead, you want to highlight that particular phrase on one single page of your website. So once you've identified what word or phrase that you're targeting on a specific page, do a few things with it. First, you want to make sure that the phrase is prominent in the page title and in the URL, in, in the, the letters in the, on, on the website. Then add it to the description. So basically, you want to add that content or that phrase into the description of what's on the page. Um, next, add it to at least one what's called an alt tag that used to be what was used well, like when you mouse over a, an image on a web page, it would pop up text to tell you what that image was about. Uh, search engines still use that. And that is one of the best ways for Google to know what that image is related to. So that alt tag is really important. So you wanna put that in at least one image on, on the page, but a lot of times two or three is actually better. As long as you don't overuse it, you'll, you'll do pretty well. Finally, you wanna add that phrase into the schema for the page. And I mentioned earlier that schema is, is really, it's a whole, different animal. If you're unfamiliar with that word or that code, um, you'll, you'll get great value out of investigating the topic a little bit more. Um, it's not something that we're going to cover here on, in this series, but it is worth uh, investigating. It is worth uh, kind of learning a little bit more about that stuff. Um, so like, for instance, if you type Houston, Texas public speaking class into Google, you're going to get one of our one of the fearless presentations web pages it's it's the it's the url for it is www.fearlesspresentations.com/houston-texas-public-speaking-class right so basically those words houston texas public speaking class are in the url it's also in the title it's basically in the it's in the um, the alt for the for the images that are on the page um, and if you look at that listing, you're going to see that that phrase, it's basically in all those places. It's in the title, it's in the description. You're also going to see a five-star schema rating as well. 
So it's basically going to say that the people in Houston who took a fearless presentations class give it a five-star rating. So basically that kind of shows up in the, in the Google ranking or show, in the Google um, result uh, on, on the, uh, at the first spot or second spot or third spot, depending on how well we're ranking at the time. So if you click that link, by the way, you're also going to see that there's a photo of our office with the phrase as the alt tag. It's going to have public speaking class, Houston. And um, uh, and and if you think like your likely prospective client, you want to pick key phrases that they would search for in order to find you and kind of do what we did with that specific phrase. So the most important thing to kind of keep in mind here, though, is that you need to have a professional place for people who want to hire you to come to. And your website is vital in that in that area. So spend some time and money to make that website fantastic. Your website is, it's like your, it's, it's like your right-hand man. It's, it's one of the, the great tools to utilize and to really grab attention. All right. So since we're kind of going a little bit long on this session, we're going to break this into two parts and uh, we'll cover the number three, number four, number five next week. So um, these, uh, hopefully you're getting some great value out of this stuff. And if you do want to promote yourself as a professional public speaker, these things like, that we're giving you on, on this couple of sessions are, are like gold. I mean, they are, they are ways to really generate more customers, more clients, get more people to want to come to you if you are putting out good content. So we'll cover uh, the third, the fourth, and the fifth tip next week. We'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations Podcast. Bye, y'all. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.